Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. You know what Advent really is? It's one of the gifts that the Christian church brings, not just to the church. The Advent season is a gift that the Christian church brings to the world at this time of year. Because Advent disrupts that kind of consumeristic frenzy that is so easy to get caught up in this time of year. Hello? Isn't it true? Not that there's anything wrong with buying things. In fact, we need to buy things to keep our economy going. Like, please buy for the businesses, the local businesses in our area. Please shop this year. But you know what? It's a consumerism is something different. It's that thing where we have to have, we have to consume, we have to have it. And there's just such a holiday frenzy this time of year. And you know what Advent is? Advent is that it's that active waiting time that Mike described last week, you know, where we, it's a gift that invites us to just kind of pause, reflect, really think about the longings that are in our soul. Think about what's, what are we actually longing for? Am I longing for the presence of God? Am I longing for the hope? Am I longing for what God's not just promised to give us what he's already done? Am I longing? And, you know, Advent's that time for us to get in touch with those deeper longings in our soul. True? You know, those deeper longings that only God can fulfill. And so here's the good news. In every season, God wants to show up. He wants to arrive. That's what Advent is all about. It's about waiting for the arrival of God. That's what it's to remind us of the first time people were waiting for Jesus, for the Messiah to arrive, but it also reminds us it's that waiting time to remind us. You know what? Jesus said he's coming back. Wouldn't it be awesome if he came back today? Oh, God, I would be so happy. Wouldn't that be great? He could. We just don't know. But you know what? And this is the good news in every season. God is ready to arrive and do something new. Even in those seasons where we think, I've got this, I'm good. You know, God still wants to arrive. He wants to show up and do something fresh and new in our soul. He wants to do something fresh and new in us to renew us so we're changed, but we need to be ready and alert for it. You know, in Jesus, he told a story once about being ready and alert for the arrival. And he was talking about a future arrival. He was, he was using it in kind of like code language for like the bridegroom and for himself. And like when he would, when God's kingdom would fully arrive, and guess what he used? He used the story of a wedding. He told the story of 10 bridesmaids. Now, I don't know why they called them virgins, but they were all virgins. So 10 virgins, they all showed up to this wedding party. And, and five of them, Jesus described, he said, five were wise, five were foolish. The five wise ones, they brought oil for their lamps. They all had oil for the lamps, but the five wise ones brought extra because the groom was just a little bit late. I think that's so funny. Like the groom was late, not the bride. The groom was taking too long to get ready for his own wedding. And they all fell asleep. And in the middle of the night, everybody's like, the groom's here, the party's on, come on, let's go, it's time to celebrate. And it was dark, and the, and the ones, the foolish bridesmaids, they ran out of oil, and their lamps were dark, and they couldn't find their way down the alleys, and they're like, hey, you got extra, give us some oil. And the five wise ones were like, heck no, should have brought your own. 
See, the foolish ones, they missed out on the party and the celebration because they weren't alert. They weren't prepared. They weren't watching. And you know what? And that's where Jesus, you know, he's like, you got to watch. You got to be attentive. And you know, here's where we're at today. We're not just waiting for Jesus to return someday. We're actively awaiting and alert in the now moments that God is already present in, where God really does want to show up with fresh joy, fresh hope, fresh life, fresh peace, fresh, fresh hope. And that's what Advent is about. It's about us being actively alert. God, every day, God, how is it you want to show up with peace through me today? God, how is it that you want to show up and bring hope through me today? Not just to me, it's through me today. And you know what, the series that we've been on, what would Jesus undo? What did Jesus, what would he undo? Well, Jesus came to undo a lot of things, specifically what in John, 1 John, describes as Jesus came to undo the works of darkness. He came to undo the works of darkness or evil. And over the last couple of weeks, if you're just joining us for the first time, you can jump online and get caught up on what we've been, what we've been discovering. But Jesus came to undo the chaos of the world around us in order to bring us peace. He came to undo despair and give us joy and hope. Well, today we're going to look at another aspect of life that Jesus came to bring joy to. Are you ready? Are you sure? Because I'm going to use a word you probably don't use all the time, but it's a dorky rhyme, and maybe it will stick. Because sometimes when things really go, oh, that's dorky, you remember it. Like, it's a small world after all, if you've ever been on that ride. There's nothing dorkier than that song. There's nothing dorkier than that ride at Disneyland, but it gets in your head. Do not go. If you've never been to Disneyland, here's a tip. Mind you, we can't go there anyway, but who, when we can, don't go on It's a Small World first. <laughs> Actually, don't go on it at all, because if you go on it at the first of the day, it's in your head all day, but if you go on it at night, it's in your head when you go to bed. So, you know, just maybe do it at lunchtime or something like that, but there's stuff, dorky stuff gets stuck in us. So here's what Jesus came to undo. Are you ready? Jesus came to undo the drain of the mundane. Jesus came to undo the drain of the mundane. Do you know what mundane is? Dull, boring, unexciting. The whole hum routine of life. Jesus came to undo that. You know the drain, the routine of life that just kind of drains you. Drains your passion, drains your hope, drains your energy, drains your purpose. Sometimes it's specific circumstances that are just a drain. And other times it's just kind of like the dailies of life just kind of drains. Anybody else experience this? It's just a drain of the mundane. Jesus came to undo. He didn't just come to undo the mundane. No, he didn't come to get rid of what's dull and ordinary. He came to undo the drain of it. Because life is filled with the ordinary. And Jesus doesn't want to just occupy the, wow, wham, oh, there's awesome moments. He wants to transform the ordinary, the mundane, the dull, the uneventful. 
See, right from the beginning, Jesus' presence transformed the mundane. The womb of a normal, unknown teenage girl named Mary would become the doorway between heaven and earth when God came to live in her womb. That's transforming the ordinary, the mundane. How about this? A small village named Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem was considered? In the scripture, Bethlehem was considered the least significant of all the cities and tribes in the land of Israel. You didn't get much more podunk than Bethlehem. <laughs> but Bethlehem, it would become the focal point of a cosmic visitation. An everyday feeding trough became the bed of a baby king. Boring shepherds got to experience the flash mob of all time with an angelic concert, a light show, and a backstage pass to the baby king's bedroom. How's that? It gets better. There's a story of a 84, of a very old, she was probably like at least 102, 104, a woman named Anna. 84 years every day she was praying in the temple waiting for God's promised Messiah to show up. And her every day, 80, how many of you have been praying every day for 84 years? No, I didn't think so. 84 year long daily routine got interrupted by an up close face to face encounter with the creator of the universe in the form of a baby. And a new little family of three became the recipients of a cash windfall that some scholars believe set Jesus and his family up for an entire lifetime of financial supply. Jesus' presence right from the beginning is about transforming the mundane, the drain of the mundane. See, and that's why Jesus, he came offering a different way of life, a different way of life that was, we, it would involve be, living by an internal atmosphere unaffected by the external atmosphere or the circumstances of the moment. Jesus came offering a different way of life. That would, be, that would be infused where the ordinary, the dull, the unexciting, even the tough and the hard stuff would be transformed through joy. See, that's what Jesus came offering. Jesus came to infuse every aspect, every moment of life with celebration and joy and purpose. That's why he said, John 10, 10, I came to give life with joy and abundance. I came to give life with joy and abundance. I came to give life with joy and abundance, not just the oh, wow, wow moments that are so awesome. He came to bring that joy and abundance into the not so great moments. Why? Because not every moment is thrilling and exciting. But Jesus came to give life with joy and abundance because of what's hidden in those moments. See, what's present in those moments, those mundane, draining moments, what's present in those moments? God's purpose called growing us up. It's where Mike described this last week in a lot more detail. You can jump online and listen to the message. It was so good. But God 
has a plan for us. And guess what? It's not to make us happy. <laughs> it's to grow us up. It's actually his growing up plan for us is to move us beyond settling for happiness. Because happiness is fleeting. Happiness is circumstantial. He's wanting us to, to not just live by that external atmosphere of where, what, what's going on around us. But we can live by an internal atmosphere and receive and grow in true joy. Joy that brings strength. Joy that allows endurance to grow. Joy that's infused with hope that enables us to celebrate before the good stuff happens. We celebrate before the good stuff happens. See, our culture, and you know what? We are so conditioned to this without even realizing it. We are addicted to the exciting, the thrilling. It's true. How depressed you get when you look on somebody else's social media feed? Especially when they live in some place like Hawaii. <laughs> Come on, we do. We're so addicted to what's exciting and what's new and what's shiny and, you know, it's thrilling, you know, but there's a different type of joy that is so much stronger. It's so much more powerful, so much more sustaining because this joy is present when things aren't wonderful and exciting and thrilling. It's a different kind of joy. So, how do you get there? How do you actually experience that? Do we just kind of like sit around and, you know, wait for someday when COVID's over, it's going to be a party? Well, it will be a party, but we can party before then. Ooh. <laughs> How do we experience it? Well, you got to build joy. You got to build joy. Oh, super dry in here. Sorry, I'm... Oh, man. It's like when that temperature goes and it's just like nothing's moving. It's like you have no idea how hard it is to communicate up here. We build joy. <laughs> you know, we tend to think joy is a feeling. Yeah. True? And it does. There, there is a, it, it's, there's some, it, it, it can bring feelings, but joy doesn't start as a feeling. And, you know, this is where we kind of ask, maybe we get frustrated because when we think joy is a feeling, we tend to think joy is going to show up when life is a certain way. And usually that certain way is when I get my way. Yep. We get what we want. Then I'll be joyful. We get the answered prayer. Then we'll rejoice. And that's why we just, man, we struggle so much. Why the, yeah, I think why so much of our, our world today, we struggle with experiencing true joy because joy is more than a good feeling. You actually need to practice joy in order to experience it. You got to make room for it. And see, here's the reality. And this is so important, man. Online church, if you're, I want you to just, I want you to focus in. I want you to just put down your cereal or your pancakes or whatever. I want you to just listen for a moment because this is so important for all of us and for church in the room. This is so important that we get this. See, here's the reality. If God never did another amazing, wonderful, powerful, awesome thing, if God never answered another prayer, everything God has already done everything God has already given to us everything he's already done for us creation salvation the cross forgiveness resurrection love joy peace all of that 
that is more than enough to cause us to live in perpetual joy and celebration every moment. Regardless, if we have COVID from here till Jesus returns, we can still celebrate. We have more than enough to give thanks and to give praise and to be joyful for. And we're gonna practice this. You have no idea how hard this is for an Enneagram 8 in a season like this. Oh, you gotta practice it. We need to ex practice experiencing the reality of joy we already have. Here's how it works. Your brain and joy. Mike's talked about this a lot. We've talked about it, but we're going to keep talking about this. This is all brain science. This is from neuroscientists. This is from neuropsychologists and how they're, how they're understanding. There's so much about the brain they're only understanding in the last few years. And this is what they've discovered about joy. You can't directly choose to be joyful any more than you can directly think about lowering your blood pressure. So just be joyful, have a happy face, woohoo! You can't just psych yourself up into real joy. The joy center in your brain, just like the blood pressure center in your brain, is connected to an indirect thing in your brain. They are regulated indirectly. In other words, to get there, you have to go a roundabout way. You can't go directly to joy. You have to go roundabout way. Joy levels, listen to this. Joy levels are regulated indirectly through relationships. If you're gonna increase and have more joy in your life, it comes through this. Improving your relationship skills, training your brain, and getting involved in community. We actually can't grow joy by ourselves. And this is where it gets tricky because one of the practices that we need to practice in order to train our brains to actually function in joy is a practice that usually we don't do it until we get the stuff that makes us joyful. <laughs> then we're just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's this, it's gratitude. And usually we, usually we leave gratitude for when it comes and we're just like, oh, I'm so thankful, this is so awesome, thank you, you shouldn't have, this is so amazing. But actually, that is, we have to practice that before joy happens. The other practice that how we practice training our brain to get, to receive, to make room for joy, to actually be joyful. It's another practice of something we usually avoid <laughs> because we never associate joy with us. And it's enduring tough stuff. James 1, 2 to 4. James said, don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you'll ultimately find joy in them. If you embrace them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. Oh, isn't this just happy day? And true patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line. Mature, complete, and wanting nothing. Isn't that so good? Let's talk about gratitude for a minute. I love, this is a Benedictine monk. He said, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. Some of you know Brené Brown. She's an author who's written some amazing books. And she said, I don't have to chase extraordinary moments to find happiness. It's right in front of me if I'm paying attention and practicing gratitude. 
How great is that? You know, gratitude is about savoring the gifts that God's given to us. Gratitude, it trains your brain. It activates what's called your, I'll give you a big brain world, your reticular activating system. It's that thing that turns on. It's a filter that filters out stuff that you don't need so that your brain doesn't like explode because of all the input coming in day and out. But it's a reticular activating system that turns on when you get a red truck. Now all the time, all you see is red trucks on the highway. Is it because everybody's buying red trucks? No, your brain had just gone, don't need information on red trucks, but now that you have one, your switch went on. And that's what gratitude does. Gratitude is what turns on the switch in our mind to be aware of what God has given to, to see God's goodness and joy that's already present in the more ordinary moments of our day. So here's some very practical things. How do you do this? How do you practice joy? Go enjoy a delightful activity, whatever that means for you. Go have a cup of hot chocolate. Savor a nice pizza. I don't know. <laughs> that would make me sick. Drink a cup of coffee. Take a short walk. Something. Read a poem, but do it slowly and savor it. Practice being present in the moment. And just being grateful. Oh, God, thank you. I have five minutes where there's not like two-year-olds grabbing on me. And you're driving home. Savor. You know what? When you're driving home and there's a beautiful sunset, I do this so often. Instead of just rushing by, go down a country road and just park for a few minutes and just enjoy it. Savor those moments. It's a way to practice gratitude. Here's another one, gratitude journal, five minutes every day, three things that you're grateful for. They need to be concrete though. Concrete and specific, not I'm thankful for my family, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful, just be specific. And you could go the whole nother level of in-depth gratitude moments. And this is where you take time and you just, you think about what is God, what is a, you think of a memory that makes you feel grateful and you gotta think of it very specifically and you hold that memory for 10 seconds. And you think about, what does that make me feel? Did I feel expected? I remember I did this, I was doing this the other week, and I was remembering of all things. I was thinking about Christmas, because the Christmas tree is up. I remembered how fun it was to lay under the Christmas tree and look at the lights. Anybody else do that? <laughs> it's so weird. I still do that. <laughs> it's so bizarre. But I remembered, I remember the first time, I remember one night, it was like two in the morning, my mom and dad, we would open Christmas presents on Christmas Eve, so my mom and dad, they were smart, they would go to bed, the kids, we'd stay up playing with their toys all night, and no one was begging them to get up at five in the morning to open up presents. See, that's one of the benefits, you go to midnight mass, you get home, it's technically Christmas day. And so I remember one night they'd already gone to sleep and my brother and sister and I were, we were playing and the tree was on and we shut all the other lights off and the tree just glowed and we had all those old big Christmas colored bulbs and it looked so cool. And I remember laying under the Christmas tree just thinking, oh, this is the best Christmas ever. I was probably about five or six years old. It's like I get to sleep under the light, the tree and the lights. It's so cozy and mom and dad are asleep and we are on our own. Nobody is telling us what we can or can't do. And I just remember, it's just like, I remember I felt so peaceful and I felt so content. And you, want, you write down what you feel and then you want, what was God showing you about himself in that moment? See, every gratitude moment, it's not just to make us joyful. 
It's to form an attachment between us and God so that when we experience less than joyful moments and activities, it's easier to find our way back to him. Gratitude. Let's talk about enduring. James 1, 2 to 4 again. Don't run from tests and hardships, brothers and sisters. As difficult as they are, you will ultimately find joy in them. If you embrace them, your faith will blossom under pressure and teach you true patience as you endure. True patience brought on by endurance will equip you to complete the long journey and cross the finish line. How do we often run from tough stuff? How do we often run from it? Well, this is what happens. When our joy levels get low, we usually look to non-relational sources to help us feel better. True? It's true. We do this. And it's when our brain, it's looking, but it can't find joy, it starts to look for other temporary solutions to shut off the bad feelings. They're called pseudo-joys. And they can be anything from food, to shopping, to social media, to substances, to porn, to sugar. Any of those things. And that's why when joy loves Lois, it's like, whose face can I see? We need the faces of the others to be able to activate those joy centers in our brains. So here's some practices you can do. This is really important. To practice joy, to practice enduring, reduce screen time and increase face-to-face -face eye contact. Reduce screen time. Why reduce screen time? Well, because screens are probably the quickest go-to and the easiest go-to when we feel bad. Isn't it true? I just want to forget. Lock on to three seasons of whatever on Netflix. You know, mindless scrolling on social media. Oh, earth pics, this is so wonderful. I can dream about beaches and I can dream about whatever. You know, but increase, this is what they've actually found. Increased screen time directly correlates to lower joy levels in your life. Isn't that weird? It's so bizarre. Why is this? Our brain needs smiling faces looking back at us in order to grow joy. Your brain actually knows the difference between a screen face and a real face. It doesn't respond the same, which is tricky in a time where we're kind of limited to those faces, which means we've got to get really creative families, you got to get creative with your kids. And you got to give them your eyeballs now like never before. You can't show up to church like you used to and see everybody's smiling face. But sometimes we can go put it right back up. In fact, you might just need to do that. We need to see, your brain needs to see somebody smiling back at you. I see you, I notice you, and I'm happy to see you. We need to do that. 
We need to practice it. And sometimes it is so hard. Joy doesn't exist outside of relationship. Here's the thing about joy. See, to choose joy in times of trouble, it's actually a bold act of defiance against the darkness that Jesus came to undo. Or as Paul described it, the darkness that once owned us, the darkness that once ruled over us. See, because of the cross, because of what Jesus did at the cross, darkness has been stripped of its power. That's what happened at the cross. There is a new ruling king and a new ruling kingdom that is taking over and setting up the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God looks like? Paul described it, Romans 14, 17. God's kingdom is what God does with your life as he sets it right, puts it together, and completes it with joy. See, when we choose joy in less than wonderful circumstances, you know what it is? It is a victory shout. It's what it is. It is a victory shout of Jesus' triumph over the enemy that we are now living in a different era. We are living in a salvation era where Jesus is Lord. And you know what? We live, and that's why when we shout, we become joyful. We enforce the reality that Jesus is King. We reinforce the reality that we don't live by external. We live by internal. We live by the life of God's Spirit. We can declare, you don't own me. You don't own me. I don't have to live by those external things. And you know what? This is so hard sometimes. And you know what comes in because you get this little whisper where you're just being a hypocrite because you don't really mean it on side. You know what that is? That is the enemy trying to get you stopping practicing what's going to create and allow the life and the joy of God's spirit to come from you. He is trying to cut off the limb of the fruit called joy coming from your life. You know, it's like the story of that little boy. Maybe you've never heard it. It's, I don't even know how it specifically, but it's the story of this little boy. He was misbehaving so bad. And finally his mom, she stuck him in the corner and she says, you need to sit on that chair and you need to stop misbehaving. And he was sitting there and he's stewing and he said, I might be sitting on the inside, but I'm standing on the outside. And you know what? We need to take that same attitude. We need to take that same attitude to anxiety, to worry, to fear, to frustration, to trouble, to this tough stuff. Whatever it is, it's trying to put you in the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. There you go. You laughed. It's good. But it's a way we can say, you're not going to stick me in that corner. I can be joyful on the inside. I'm standing up in joy. Let's stand. Let's stand, and once more, we're going to end in a shout and an extended praise of God. I want you to think about, especially if you came in here and it was hard. If you're watching online, I want you to stand again as well. And I want us in the count of three, we're going to praise God again. And we're going to allow a thanks. What do you need to be thankful for? Maybe it's you have a job still. Maybe it's you're thankful that you have a warm house. You have family that is with you. You are strong. You're healthy. You're whole. Come on. Can we just on the count of three, let's lift up a shout of praise and give God thanks for who he is. One, two, three. Thank you. God, we thank you. We give you praise. 
praise. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are with us, that no matter how dark things are, you are the light of hope. God, we thank you that you are healer. You are sustainer. You are the renewer of our soul. You're the renewer of our joy. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for redemption. We thank you that in Jesus we've been forgiven of all our sin. We thank you for your hope. We thank you for peace. We thank you for celebration that you've brought to us. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. This was every eye closed online watching. You might be here and you might be here in this room or you might be watching online and you've never said yes to following Jesus. You know what? You, this is where it starts because the Holy Spirit, he comes and he lives inside of you and he gives you the ability to then practice and to walk out what we can't do in our own strength. We can only receive salvation's life. We can only receive the gift of salvation. And salvation is about following Jesus and working and partnering with him on his mission to bring life and hope and his light to this world. And I want us to pray together. It's a simple prayer. Thank you, Jesus. We pray out loud. Pray with me. Say, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done, that you've accomplished on the cross so I could be free and forgiven. I say yes to following you, and I thank you for a new start today. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.